0: Radiant 17. Amen. I'm glad to have you guys here with me. Glad to have you here. Recording in progress. Yes. Yes. Recording in progress. So I'm glad to have you here. I'm glad to share with you. But yes. So I want you to just put things aside and just always engage the word from a fresh place, because what you're doing is you're constantly making room. You're constantly allowing God to continue to mold and shape you with his word. If you do that, I guarantee you that your capacity will continue to increase, that you will be able to to, with, to hold and allow God's word to do what needs to be done and so it can move and breathe in you. And that requires a heart that is yielded, a heart that is um, a heart that is like a child. That's why the Bible says uh, uh, if you receive the kingdom like a child, you will have full access to the kingdom. Because why? A child remains teachable. A child uh, um, never gets to the place where they have arrived. A child is always excited about what their, what Papa or mom is going to share. And that's how we are to engage the kingdom. Our father, God, Yahweh, we are able to embrace him. And anytime we can hear something new, there should be this zeal. There should be this excitement. We should never become so comfortable or casual with the things of God. We want to always remain children. Yes, we are adults in terms, but we are to remain children when we are engaging the one. Because I guarantee you, if you look at your parents, your parents may know that you are adults, but they you will always be seen as their little one, as their daughter, their beloved little one, or their the little their little man. There, and it's not it's not to demote you. It's not to take anything. It's just. It's out of love. It's out of tenderness. It's out of, you know, uh, an, an affectionate heart towards you. So when God looks at you, you are the little ones to him. Even though you are like him in every way, even though as Christ Jesus is in heaven, we are the same here on earth. At the end of the day, you are his little one sitting at the table with him, talking about the things of this earth, talking about life. That's how it is with him. He sees you as his little ones, and that's and that, and you never have to be anything but that. So don't ever grow up in Jesus. I hear people say that all the time. I've grown up, and so I used to cry and used to weep before the Lord, and I don't. And I've grown up, girl. What's wrong with you? you you need to keep weeping. There's nothing wrong with weeping before the Lord. I'm a grown man. And if the Lord gives me something that makes me weep, I will sit with him in that space now a will weep. It does not demote my manhood, none whatsoever. It just, it's, what, it's your heart being tenderized. It's a new area of your heart being tenderized. And as you become tender towards the Lord, you become sensitive and you just feel the goodness of the Lord and it's going to bring you to tears. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't ever, if you ever say that, then you have to wonder, did your heart get hardened? That's not my subject, but I'm just saying that don't let your heart be hardened. Don't let yourself get to this place where I used to do this, but I don't do this anymore. No. You weep before the Lord. Weep, weep, weep. Stuff around with weeping before him. Because tears are prayers too. Tears got a voice too. Everything on this earth that God created has a voice and it will speak. It will give witness. It will witness against you. It will witness for you. That's another lesson to get into. We're not going to get into that because that would be mind blowing to think that your tears have a voice. So that's why the Bible says he collects them in a jar. And then he turns them and pours them out upon you. So if you're weeping in a travailing time and you're just pressing in and you're crying and just, Lord, I felt like this and I feel like that. And I feel like that every tear is falling. And it's okay because he'll take what you he'll take, the tears of uh, of despair and, and travail and hurt and pain, and he'll pour it out on you as goodness. He'll pour it out on you as goodness. So, yes, I'm I'm just sharing that. Yeah, that's another lesson we'll get into at some point that everything has a voice and it's either testifying against you or testifying uh, for you. But it's but it's there to witness. And so you don't want to disregard anything. Amen. Amen. So tonight we want to talk about prayer. We want to talk about what prayer is and how Jesus used prayer and how we ought to use prayer in our everyday life. And so prayer was never just this thing where I would just pour out my burdens unto God. That's one form of prayer you do. You can cry unto the Lord. The Bible tells us to cry out to the Lord. But then then we think of prayer as in, intercession, interceding uh, on behalf of your friends or interceding on behalf of your family members. And so there's that intercession, that prayer. And then there's another aspect of prayer where there's going into the courts of heaven and you're adjudicating and presenting your case before the, the just judge, who is Yahweh, who is Jesus. And then, and then the Bible calls the enemy, he is the accuser of the brethren. So he stands there accusing you. And so there are cases that are brought in that in that arena in the courts of heaven and that's something we that's another thing we'd have to talk about at another time but these are just different forms of prayer and then you have just what i'm gonna what i'm gonna share with you this this actual another form of prayer that i believe that isn't something that it's in the word but i believe it's not being pushed like it should and i believe it's going to be because when god starts speaking to people One thing that I, one thing that I want you to know and understand that if God gives you a revelation on something, don't ever think you're the only person that has it. Trust me. Just like he told Elisha, he told Elijah when Elijah was in the cave and just worrying about he was the only prophet that hadn't turned his heart against God. And the Lord tells him, Elijah, first of all, let me tell you, there are 7,000 that have not built down the bell. You're not the only one. You may be the only one in your in your, in your in your space of influence where you are, but I guarantee you, you're not. So when you receive revelation from the Lord, know that if God is speaking to you, that he's speaking to others. And one of my favorite things that I love to see is when God, when I come across a brother or sister and they are sharing something that God spoke to me privately in my private time. And I'm like, yes, because what that says to me is the body is listening. The body is hearing. The body of Christ is hearing the head speak to them and they're responding. I love it. I love to hear. And even if I am the only one in, for the moment, it's OK, because eventually God's going to speak to everybody. Because why? He's no respecter of person and he wants what he's sharing to go out to everybody, to feel every part of him. So if we're all part of the body, the head is not going to speak to the arm, the right arm and, and, and leave the rest of the body out. He's not going to speak to the left foot and leave everybody out. Even if he spoke to, to, your, to, the, to the left hand first, know that even though the left hand will get it first, it's going to eventually go to everybody else because he's going to speak to everybody else because it is meant for the glory in the knowledge of the glory of God to fill the earth. And how is it going to be filled? It's not going to be filled by him speaking to just one section. He's going to speak to the body and the body is going to take it and run. And the earth will be covered with the glory of God through the life of these believers. Amen. Amen. So we're looking at this form of prayer. And so we're going to jump to some scriptures. I hope you got your Bible. Hope you got your notes. I hope you are ready to take it. And So we're going to take right off. We're going to go right into this. We're going to start here. Huh? And John, John chapter one, beginning at verse 43, John chapter one, beginning at verse 43. Uh, And so um, somebody on here, if you can uh, type in scriptures so that people can see it. Lisa's not on here tonight. Bless her wherever she is. She usually is my scribe that does that. So if somebody wants to take that on and type it in so others can see it, it's John, St. John, uh, chapter one, verse 43. We're going to begin there. And the days following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and find Philip and said unto him, Follow me. Thanks, Jennifer. I appreciate that. Now Philip was of Bethesda, a city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him who Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Is't that funny when you think about people people are so funny people have said that about you Can anything good come out of your family? can any anybody, anything good come out of the city you live in? Can anything come out of out of out of what you've been involved in? Can anything come good out of your life because you got this bad past but God redeemed you? I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing too hard for the Redeemer. God can redeem a place, time, season. He can redeem everything and bring you into everything and let the world witness the goodness of the Lord. Sometimes things happen in our life. Sometimes the things that we have been through is only only a, a platform for the glory of God to be revealed and to be manifested and to be shown that nothing is impossible for the Most High if we yield and allow him to do what he needs to do. Amen. Let's keep going. And so... So Nathaniel makes that proclamation. He says, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" And Nazareth was just like Compton, or just like Watts, or just like the worst, the worst of the worst. It was not a good place to say you were from Nazareth. Nazareth was considered subpar. If you said you were from Jerusalem or or from another city, Bethany, you would be oh, it's just like being from Beverly Hills or or you know or uh, or Pacific Palisades or Woodland Hills or all those nice areas. But I'm going to tell you something, even those nice areas got problems, too, because all flesh is grass. That's what the Bible says. Let's keep going. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. So Jesus sees Nathanael coming and he says to him, behold, an Israelite indeed, whom has no guile, meaning he was an Israelite who was a straight shooter who had no deception he had no arterial motive it's it's like the song that says what you see is what you get that's Nathaniel Nathaniel if he told you it was apples then it was apples you know he it wasn't he didn't tell you it was oranges and then it was actually a fruit basket full of fruit he would tell you straight he was one that had no guile he had no arterial motive he was one that just speak and call it how it is and that was the way he was and Jesus tells him now Nathaniel says on the winch you know me Jesus answered and said, Before that Philip called thee, when I, when you were up under the fig tree, I saw you. Now Jesus saw him, and scholars believe that when Jesus saw him, he saw him reading about the story of Jacob, which we're going to get into. And he goes on and says, And Nathaniel said, answers him and says unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus Kind of looks at him and says to him, answers him and said, because I said I saw you under a fig tree, you believe you already calling me the son of God? Jesus was basically saying, my friend, you need to have more proof than somebody just calling you out where you are. There needs to be some serious, because if that's the case, if, if him being the son of God was he he would come and tell you where you were then you know what do you know people moving in definition can do the same thing so it's got to be a whole lot more and that's what he was telling him he's basically saying you can't don't don't boy you're getting ready to see something let me we're gonna keep reading we're gonna keep reading and he says here and he says unto him thou shalt see greater things than these So if you think that was something I'm going to show you, but manifold, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you. I am the great. I am. I am. I'm before Abraham was. I am. I'm going to show you all that. This year, what I told you has is nothing. It's just the tip of the iceberg of what you're going to experience. And Jesus lets him know that it isn't just what you're going to see in me, but what you're seeing me is what you are going to be invited into, what you are going to be able to do, because he tells him in John 14, he tells him, he says, the things that, if you believe the things that you see me do. Guess what? You are going to do and you're going to do more. So what Jesus was saying is, hey, what you're getting ready to witness in my life, what's getting ready to unfold in my life isn't just for me. You are going to see something that you are going to be able to do. You're witnessing something that first you get a firsthand witness to know. And I think I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times the Lord said this to me and I'm just going to say this. I'm just ministering as the Lord give it to me. I was on a bus stop one time and I remember um, I was looking at Steph Curry, and you guys are familiar with Steph Curry. He's a basketball player in the NBA today. Really, an amazing three point shooter. He's an amazing, you know, just the face of uh, NBA right now. There was a, there was a picture of him online, sitting on another basketball player's basketball player's lap while he was watching his dad play uh, in the All Star game. So, Steph Curry is a second generation um, NBA player. But the Lord said to me in that moment, he said, Steph Curry saw what was possible and then he achieved. And I was like, oh, that that's powerful. So what he's saying is that the Lord was saying he saw what Steph Curry was doing. Steph Curry saw what his dad, Dale Curry, was doing. He saw he was a shooter. He saw he was uh, he was a respected NBA player. And because he witnessed it, because he saw it, it wasn't just for something to show. It wasn't for him to see it as a movie. But what? There was this invitation. Now he is an NBA star and he is surpassed what his dad was. So he saw what was possible and he achieved. What are you looking at? What is being played out before you? That you could see that it's possible. And I know some of us have seen some things that are not so good. And that's why God has come in and redeemed those things because he wants to give you the right things to put your eyes on. Because that which you see, that which you are witnessing, is something you're going to step into, something you're going to do. So he tells Philip here, he said, Man, you're going to see greater things than this because why? I'm going to give you the power to do what I did and greater. Let's keep going. And then Jesus says in verse 50, Jesus says this and answered him and said, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, thou believest and thou shalt do greater things than these. And he says unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter, ye shall see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending. This is where we want to begin to put our focus that the Jesus said verily I say unto you that you're going to see the heavens open you're going to see the open heavens now I want to give you a little background before Jesus came on the scene the bible speaks between the time of Malachi the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew there were 400 years of silence meaning the heavens were closed there was no prophetic words being spoken there was nothing coming from heaven at that time and when Jesus came on the scene and Jesus presented his ministry the moment he opens his mouth or better yet, let's go back to the moment he was baptized. When he was baptized by God, uh, baptized, excuse me, by John the Baptist, the Bible says that when he came out of the water, the heavens opened. That was the first time that the heavens had been opened in 400 years. So when you read that, the heavens were closed and the heavens is responding to Because why? The prophetic words about Jesus's life is now here on earth taking shape and form. And heaven is responding because now we're living in the season, the time of the open heaven. And God speaks to him and he tells him, you're going to see the heavens open. And not only heaven's open, you're going to see angels ascending and descending. Isn't that interesting? Now, you would think in your mind that if angels are in heaven, then it means they would be descending and then ascending. But here's the interesting thing. When you look at the word angel, angel can mean angels generally mean sent ones. That's what an angel is. That's why the the Bible in, in Revelations chapter, I think two and three, where it talks about the letter to the church, the Bible says the angel of the church, there's an angel assigned to the church, but the pastor himself is considered an angel of the church because he's, he's a sent one by God to do a work in a particular city. Amen. And so We're looking at angels and even you can be an angel to somebody where God sends you to walk along somebody side, somebody and be that help and be the Jesus in their life that they need to see. So when you look at what God is saying, that word angels isn't just angels in spirit, but it is also angel in skin. But. The angels here on the earth which is you and I as the sent ones that have been sent here on earth to do something for the Lord, we can ascend. And where are we ascending? We're going to get into that. Let's go. Let's go, go to Genesis. And I hope if you got questions, write your questions down so that we can answer them in the end, because I don't want you to, I want you to get this. Amen. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 28, beginning at verse 10. And the background to this is Esau and Jacob are, um at war because Jacob uh, uh tricked his dad into blessing him, and Esau came in afterwards and realized that his brother stole his blessing, but really his brother didn't steal his blessing. He gave his blessing away but for a bowl of beans and now he wanted it. But so he is angry. And so now Jacob has to feed for his life. And so he goes back to the homeland where his 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 great his father and his grandfather was from. And while he was on that way, he has this encounter. And I'm going to tell you something. It's interesting. When God puts something in the Old Testament, there's a purpose for it. Because you'll see it again in the New Testament. But then when you see it in the New Testament, now it's time for it to take shape and form and you'll get understanding. So a lot of times the Lord will put things long in on the earth for a particular time. Or even he'll do you like that. He'll even place you in a place long before you're needed. And then people start praying, and God, we need this. And all of a sudden, there you are. You're the person that is right for the job because we are one sent to the earth with the solution. That's why God has to redeem us because we carry the solution. We are the answer to the uh, to the uh, to the earth's uh, to the, to the world's problems. We are the answer. Why are we the answer? Because we are the sons of God. We are Jesus here to the earth. We are the light to the world he was the light of the world but now we are the light of the world because why we are sons and daughters of the king the father of lights is what we call him and so we are the children of light and we carry that light and we are to let our light shine before men amen turn to Gen- uh, genesis 28 verse 10 and it says this and it says and jacob went on from beersheba and went towards haran because jacob's going back home and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried all night, meaning he went to camp because the sun was setting. And he took a stone and uh, and placed it and made himself a pillow and laid down. Verse 12, he dreamed and behold, a ladder set up on the earth. Now I want you to pay attention to this. The ladder was set up on the earth and the top of it reached in heaven. And behold, the angels of God are ascending and descending. So we we just read this. This was what Nathaniel was reading when he was sitting up under the fig tree. And Jesus said, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. Before Philip told you about me. And then he goes on and he explains to him that you're going to see the heavens open and the, the the ladder, the angels ascending and descending upon the sun. Because why? Now, why is it the angels ascending and descending upon the sun? But in the in the Old Testament, we're reading that there was a ladder standing on the earth going up into heaven and the angels were ascending and descending. Because why? Jesus, because this was a prophetic picture of us becoming Jacob's ladder. That's why Jesus told him, he says, you'll see uh, the heavens open and the angels ascending and descending upon the son of man. He was speaking that there's going to come a time that man, that sons, the new sons and daughters, the believers are going to be the the Jacob's ladder. And we're going to be able to ascend into the heavens and where And, 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 and come and bring it back down. For here on earth, we're going to explain that some more. I want you to get that and understand that. So we see it here. There's a ladder. He has this dream where there's a ladder set that they're going up and they're coming down. And then Jesus says in John chapter one, he's saying that you're going to see the heavens open and the angels ascending and descending upon the sun. So he then brings it to a a fuller picture. And if you understand Jesus's job, the Bible says that he he fulfilled the law. Well, does, does that mean he fulfilled the Ten Commandments? No, it wasn't just the Ten Commandments he fulfilled. He fulfilled everything that was written about him before that time that he came on the earth. So everything in the New Testament, the Old Testament was written and prophesied and spoken. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. So in, in the Old Testament, there was a ladder that Jacob saw that was set on the earth into heaven. And the angels were... Uh, The angels were ascending and descending, and then Jesus, the fulfillment, the completion of everything, he tells Nathaniel, you're going to see the heavens open, and you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the sun. So he's saying, I'm bringing that which you're reading about to a fuller picture. I'm letting you know that you are getting ready to step into something that you have no clue, that you're getting ready to ascend into the heavens, You're going to be able to have access to stuff that you didn't have access to. And you're going to be able to bring it back down here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Are you tracking with me? Let's keep moving. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter Mm 6. Matthew chapter 6. Mm -hmm. Matthew chapter six, beginning at verse nine, beginning at verse nine, Matthew chapter six, beginning at verse nine. And it says here, and it says, after this manner, therefore ye pray. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name or holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Know that it is already done in heaven but it needs to be done here on earth. Heaven is already ahead of us because it is in in eternity. And earth is in time. So that which is already done in heaven needs to be played out here. That's why the Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth. He was already slain. He had already done the, the, the very thing that needed to be done to redeem man, but still it needed to be what? Played out here. So there are things in your life. There are things for this world. There are things that are yet to come here that are supposed to be here. And your prayer should be, Lord, whatever you are done in my life in heaven, let it be so here on earth or whatever you're doing for the body or whatever you're doing, whatever the destiny is for my city, whatever the destiny is for my friend that's already done in heaven. Earth in the heavens, let it be so here on earth. That is a great way to pray because why you are praying exactly what the Lord would do. You're praying the heart of the Father for that particular city, for that particular person, for that particular thing. Are you guys getting it? And so Jesus is teaching them to pray this way. You are to pray this way. You are to go get that which is in heaven and bring it here on earth because that's what it is. And he goes on and reads and says, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thy is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. So Jesus gives us the model to pray that it is us going into heaven to bring down the Father's will. How is the Father's will going to be done here on earth as it is in heaven? How is it going to be done? By what? Us ascending, ascending into heaven, into the heavenly realms. Now, are we ascending from the earth? Are we ascending from the seated place in heaven? Well, when we came, sons and daughters and believers, let's turn to Ephesians. I'll tell you. Ephesians will tell you. i love to take you to scripture because scripture speaks. I could quote scripture, but you know what? It's good for you to know where it is so that you can show others. Right? Amen. And it's good to always follow and track in scripture. That way, deception don't come in. Amen. I want to tell you, this is who you are. This is what the Lord has done done for you and I. And it's in Ephesians and it talks about us. Um, Yeah, it says here in Ephesians chapter one. In Ephesians chapter one, let's go uh, verse. Let's go to verse 18 and it says the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of the call of his calling, what riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints with the exceeding greatness of his power to us were who believe according to the working of his power, we have wrath in Christ. We have, he has raised him from the dead, set him on his own right hand in heavenly places. This is what this is what where Christ is staying. He says he's in heavenly places far above all principalities, all powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the church, be the head of the church, head over all things concerning the church, which is his body. And read that verse 22 again. It says, and has put all things under his feet. And given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body and the fullness of him that feels all in all. So. You are we are seated in heavenly places. Christ Jesus is seated in heavenly places and he's far above all principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places, dominions and every name that can be named. Christ Jesus but you are too. And it says that he's been placed as the head over everything concerning the church, which is his body. Are you the body of Christ? Yes, you are. You are his body. And so all those things that he sits above was placed under his feet. So if it's under his feet, it's under where? It's under your feet as well. It is under your feet already. And I'm telling you this because you need to realize that you don't need to be afraid of the enemy. He's more afraid of you finding out who you are. Because once you find out who you are, he can't do what he used to do to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you understand that you are the body of Christ, you are seated in Christ Jesus, and you sit far above everything, far above the principalities and powers of spiritual wickedness in high places. And, and those things are under his feet. Yes. When you understand that and walk in that and believe that to be true, because it is true, then you need to, then I'm going to tell you the very earth itself will shake and quake. Because why? The earth will say, yes, the sons of God are finally stepping into what they are, who they truly are. The earth knows who the sons of God, are, and they are excited to meet them. They're excited to engage them. Amen. And they're waiting. They're waiting patiently. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter eight, they groan, they t- Groan and travail, the earth, yes, the earth is speaking. The earth has a voice. It's speaking. It's praying. It's 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 in, it's travailing. It travails like you and I, when we are in prayer, when sometimes prayer gets to a place where you groan or you travail and you don't have words, but your sound is a, uh, is a, is a prayer that is going up before the throne of God and your sound that you are echoing in, into the heavens. When God hears that sound or that groan, you groan, that groan is speaking a prayer that you are proclaiming in a language that God can understand. Even though you don't understand what it is, but the groan, the Holy Spirit understands what it is and it's able to interpret it. And God's able to hear that. So that that which you are doing has a voice. So much here. Let's keep going. And so what? And so the Lord said this, and we want to jump down to Ephesians chapter 2, and it says this, let's read this, we want to read this. And you have been quickened who were dead in your trespasses, when in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience and among whom also we have had our con- our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of our flesh of the mind whereby nature the children of wrath even as others but god can I tell your neighbor but god tell your family member but god but god who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loveth even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And has risen us up together, made us to sit where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you are ascending, not from the earth, but you are ascending from your seated place in heavenly places. And you are ascending into Christ Jesus now, here's the thing. The Bible says this in John chapter 17, eternal life. Now, you think eternal life is a place. But I'll have you know, eternal life is a person. It's not just a place, but it is a person. And you need to understand that, because when you think of I'm going to this place, yeah, you're going to this place. But this place is in this person. This is who this person is. Let me want to read this to you. I'm going to read this to you. It says in John St. John chapter 17, verse 1. And it says this, St. John chapter 17, verse 1. And it says this, these words speak. Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come to glorify the Son that thy Son may glorify thee as thou has given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as he has given them. And this is life eternal, or this is eternal life, verse 3, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou sent, herein is what eternal life is, that they may know God, the true God, Yahweh, and his son, Yahshua, Jesus. That's what eternal life is. That's what the kingdom of God is. That's what Mount Zion is. It is him. We get him. We get him. We get him. So we are ascending into him, into the different realms, into the different places. Let's keep going. Are you guys good? Is this good? Let's keep going. Let's keep moving. We're going to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. going to keep moving. Let's go to... uh, Let's go to John. Let's go to John. Stay in John. John's a great book. If you need a book to to really read and to just really engage God and learn, John is a good book of the gospel to really see who Jesus is, to see not only who Jesus is, but to see who you are. Amen. Let's go to John 14. John 14, beginning at verse one. And and the Bible reads in this and it says, let not thy heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. So Jesus saying, believe also in my Father and believe also in me in my Father's house. There are many mansions. In other translations, it says dwelling places. It's interesting that in the Psalms, David talked about the dwelling places of God. Because we know David to be a New Testament believer in an Old Testament time. Because there were things that David heard in the spirit and he wrote about As he wrote these Psalms, he wrote these things about things that Jesus would directly say. How is he privy to that? Because why? He was engaging the one who was eternal. He was engaging the one who, and when you engage him and you engage that realm, God will release things years, thousands of years before. And then all of a sudden you'll see the manifestation of it in the natural thousands of years down the road. And the actual thing will bear witness to the thing that God spoke a thousand years ago. And so is it possible for you and I to hear something that is way down the timeline? Yes. Is it something possible for you and I to engage something that, hasn't, that it's a mystery that hasn't been revealed? Because when you look at the Bible, the Bible tells us there are a couple of uh, biblical characters that had that type of engagement with the Lord, and the Lord told them to don't write it down. Seal the book put it away. Even Paul says this. Paul says that I, I was in the third heaven and I heard things that was unlawful for me to to repeat, to share. Even John in, in Revelations, the book of Revelations, the John encounters one of the angels pouring out or blowing a trumpet. And in that trumpet, he got the interpretation of what the angel was saying in that trumpet. And the Lord said, stop, don't write that down. John heard it, but he was not able to write that down. What is that saying to you? That's saying to me, even Daniel, as Daniel was writing about things that were going to happen down the timeline, and then the Lord tells him, seal up the book. Don't let nobody see this book. Don't let nobody see it. Why? Why? because those things are relational. These three men were men that had a relation with God. And in relationship, things are made known. Secrets are made known. The mysteries are made known in relationship. People that are religious don't know the mysteries of God, don't know the benefit of knowing the mysteries of God. When you stay on the religious outskirts, then you will stay on the outskirts. But we've been called to be in the holies of holies and be right in the midst of Him and hear his heart, hear his desires, hear his pleasures, his, 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 Thoughts forevermore about what he wants to do. That's why Jeremiah 33 and 3 is going to be so pertinent for you going forward. He says, Call unto me, I will show you the great and mighty things you know of not in what? In relationship. When you are in relationship and you call out to your Heavenly Father and you just want to know. Do you know the Bible says he tells his secrets to his friends? He tells tells them to his friends. He tells you, you are a friend of God. You're not just a friend. You are a daughter. Not only a daughter or a son, you are the bride. And because you are the bride, you are privy to things that people who are servants know. That's why Jesus said, you're no longer a servant because a servant does not know what his master is doing. So it's meant for you to know the mysteries. So I want you to dream big. I want you to think deeper. I want you to go into the heavens and he's letting you know all that is in me is accessible to you because I am the chief cornerstone. I am the one that holds up the wall to the prophets of old in the Old Testament. I am the one that holds up the wall to the apostles in the New Testament and everything that they have done Everything they have sown, everything that they have put into play, you are going to reap. Where they have sown, you are going to reap. And you have this access in Christ Jesus. You have this ability to ascend into these different spaces, into these different things that were accessible to them to be brought in their time. That's Jeremiah 33, chapter 33, verse 3. And so that's what the Lord is saying in this space here. And he is saying that, yes, there are in in John 14, he said, in my father's house, there are dwelling places. He is describing not just a place, but he's describing realms in the father. He's describing realms in Christ Jesus, dwelling places, because why? We understand heaven is, is really the Lord. Heaven is Christ Jesus and the father and the Holy Spirit. That's who Mount Zion is coming out of heaven. It is it is them. We get them. And so there's so much. And when you think about how big God is, everything that we get to experience, everything that the prophets of old tapped into, did all the things that you read about, all the things that you saw the apostles read about and what they tapped into, you can tap into yourself through Christ Jesus. So that's why you're going to reap. even the church fathers, early church fathers in Acts or even in the church, uh, early uh, church later history. Some of the things that these guys and women, women of God were doing, they sowed that you would be, have access to this. And there, and if God would tarry some more time, there are things that you are going to do that you're going to sow that others will reap because everything is in Christ Jesus, you get what I'm to So he talks about in my Father's house there are many mansions, there are many dwelling places, there are many regions, there are many realms to engage. So there's realms of healing, there's realms of deliverances, there's realms of miracles. There are realms of signs and wonders. There are, there are so many realms. When you think of the names of God, you are invoking an aspect of the Lord. I would encourage you to get to know the different names of God. Everything is culminated in Jesus. Yes, it is culminated in Jesus. But when you get to know the other names of God and you can call on Jehovah Shama, I need you near. That's what his name means. The God that is near or 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 Jehovah Elroy, the God that sees you. God, do you see me? Or Jehovah or Jehovah Elion, the mighty God El Shaddai. You know, or or, or even um, sick canoe, or 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 Nisi the banner. You know, all those different names invoke an aspect of God. They is realm. and when you look in the Old Testament, God Himself would reveal an aspect of Himself. He would reveal an aspect of Himself that we would engage. Abraham knew Him as what Jireh. He knew Him as Jireh. So that realm. Of Jehovah, that realm of provision, that realm, the storehouses of God are accessible to us. We are meant to go in, not from heaven up there, but from your heavenly place that you sit. Now you say, well, Marvin, didn't you say that the didn't you say that the ladder was set up upon heaven? Let me give you. Let me help you with that. You are you. We as believers have this duplicity, this duplicity. What? What I mean by duplicity? We have this duality. We are spirit and we are physical body. So we have a physical body that moves down here on earth. Our physical body is a vehicle that we are to manage and steward well so that we can do the things that need to be done here on earth because God has designed the earth for us to walk, move, and breathe here with a physical body. Now, you have a spiritual body that is seated with Christ Jesus. So when you ascend You are ascended not from here. You are ascended from your seated place in Christ Jesus. When you pray, you are to pray from your seated place from Christ Jesus. What does that prayer look like? Prayer looks like proclaiming and declaring because that's what Jesus did. It doesn't look like begging. It looks like declaring what the finished work was done. Means if he won healing, then I am healed in Jesus name. We declare that we pray from that place. But what? The seated place in Christ Jesus is, is just the tip of the iceberg because that's just your open door to ascend deeper, higher realms of revelation, the rivers of God, realms of wisdom, the the different places in the heavenlies that are for you and I to pull down. What? What's in heaven here on earth? What do you think ideas? What do you think the idea? Do you really think the good ideas uh, that, God, that, that are on the earth, God only gives those to who? The unsaved? No. I believe they were for the, the saved people too. But I guess, you know what the problem is? Some of us saved people are so religious. And we're looking to get out of here instead of looking to bring heaven here on earth. The earth needs to see the goodness of God. They need to see the glory of the Lord before we go. And we're worried about a time frame in which it's reserved for the Father. And we have not taken what Jesus has done and run with it and really tap in. That's a whole nother story. We're not going to get in there, But I want you to I just want you to begin to dig deeper. There are things that God want to give birth to here on earth. There are things in the natural and in the spirit that he wants to give birth to. You might have the best next idea for a company out here. You get this dream and have the schematics and put it together and it be something that can bless this world, but also be a blessing for the kingdom. And they'll say, how did you get that from God? There are blueprints. There are things that God is ready to get here. Here, I'll give you an an example of, of this one man of God said this. He talked about he was standing in Disneyland with his kids. And all of us have been to Disneyland at some point. And he said, the Lord said, I want you to stand up. He was sitting down. He stood up. He said, I want you to look towards the castle. So he's looking towards the castle. He's standing on Main Street in Disneyland, looking at the castle. And the Lord tells him, do you know you are standing in a man's sketch pad? He said, before this was ever a reality, this was on a man's sketch pad. Then he tells him, he says, do you think that I only give ideas like this to unbelievers? And, and he said, but because no believer would take this on, no one would, would take this on and this needed to be here, this this unbeliever did. That man was humbled. He said, he repented. He said, Lord, if there's anything That you have ever put in my grass. If there's anything that you've given me a dream to start, I don't ever want to miss. And if I've missed it, please forgive me. So when you've gone to Disneyland, you are standing in somebody's sketch path. Somebody have sketched it out on paper, thought about it, dreamt about it, saw this, and then what? That day came to pass. Walt Disney, dreamt about it, went through bankruptcy almost losing his mind. He went through so much, but he finally saw this to be a reality. But he only lived a few years after Disneyland was a reality. He didn't get to see all that it is, but he got to at least see it come to life. That which was in his head or on a sketch pad. God wants to give us some things. There are some great and mighty things that you would know if not, that the Lord wants to reveal to you that he wants here on earth as it is in heaven. Things that will change the face of the earth, things that will uh, revise and renew things, things that you thought not possible. Can you imagine God giving you something that would revise the way people uh, do their normal lives and it would be such a blessing? And to know that it was a believer that received it and, and contribute, that it isn't a believer looking to get out of here. Look, we're going to get out of here when it's time for us to get out of here. And it's not going to catch us off by guard because we are the children of light. He's coming to a thief as a, in a night to those that are in darkness. The children of light, the light is not going to sneak up on. Amen. So I want to tell you that. So it means until he is ready You do and you occupy until he comes. That's why I said to you, if you remember, I said to you earlier, I said that which he has committed, that which he's begun in you, he's going to finish. Don't let nobody tell you, well, he's going to complete it in glory. He's going to be completed in glory. Stop that. Because in glory on that side, everything is just like Jesus. When God is talking about completing something, he's going to complete it here before you ever leave here. Because on the other side of glory is a whole different thing. We will be perfect, just like Jesus. There will be no need to be worked out. There will be nothing to be worked out. Sanctification will be completed. But that which God is doing on this side of glory is where we need to be focused. And we can run and do it because why? We've been given a kingdom. We've been given access into the heavenly realms to go into where? Where are we going? Where are we getting all these resources from? From Mount Zion. Where's Mount Zion? Let's turn with me. Let's go. Let's go find out where Mount Zion is. Turn to Hebrews and you're going to find out not only where Mount Zion is, but who's in there. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hmm. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem, Mount Zion, is the new Jerusalem that is coming down, but it's already existing, already in heavenly places. It's not here yet on the earth, but it's set to come at a designated time that God has it to come, but it does exist in that realm, you to understand that. And in, and I read it again. It says, But ye are come to Mount Zion unto a city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem, to an unnormable company of angels. So angels are in Mount Zion. And to the general assembly, who are the general assembly? The general assembly are those of the dead bed, the dead uh, bed confessions, like the man on the cross that was next to Jesus that realized that that rebuked the other uh, thief and told him. You know, you need to be quiet. We deserve to be here, but this man doesn't. And then the Lord tells him, today you will be with me in paradise. Those the general assembly are those that just get in by just confessing Jesus. Maybe they lived their whole life bad and at the end they realize the Lord was Lord and they give their life to the Lord. And God is that merciful that he would take them in even in that moment. Let's keep going. And it says the church of the firstborn. Who are the church of the firstborn? That would be those who were born into Christ Jesus, who gave their life to the Lord and who are running for Jesus. You are considered the firstborn because Jesus is the firstborn. He's the first of the firstborn and we are the ones that have come after him the Bible says. Now it goes on, who else is in heaven? And it says, which is written in heaven to God, the judge of all things. So we know God, the father and God, the son and the spirit and the spirit of just men made perfect. Who are the spirit of just men made perfect? They are the old Testament believers that died according to the salvation that God offered them. Them are the same ones that Jesus went down to preach to and gave captivity to captivity captive, gave gifts unto men. Those are the ones in Matthew 27, uh, Matthew 27, verse 52, where it talks about the ground when Jesus died, when he was resurrected, the graves were open and the Old Testament saints came out. Let's read that. We're going to read that. We're take you through that because you may not, you may be looking at me like, oh my goodness, he is saying so many things. That can't be true. You know, I haven't seen it. I want you to see it for yourself so that you know that it's true. Because people will trust you. People will say, well, where is that at in the Bible? Let's read it. Goes in here Matthew 27, uh, beginning at verse 50. Uh-huh. And the Bible says here that Jesus, when he cried, he gave up. He cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. Meaning he, he just gave up. He was ready. He had done everything needed to be done. He received, let his spirit go and he died. And the Bible says at the moment of his death, says, behold, in verse 51, behold, the veil of the temple was ripped from twain from top to bottom. The earth did quake and the rocks were torn apart. The graves who were open, the graves were open and many of the bodies of the saints which slept arose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? These are the the just men that are made perfect. Goes on and says this, and the graves were open and many of the body of the saints slept in the rose and it came to it came and they came out of the grave after the resurrection and went where into the holy city and appeared so at the time that Jesus died and even at his resurrection the graves open and where are they going they're going to appear into the holy city so there were people that actually saw the uh the old day here's the interesting thing Jesus said this Jesus said when Abraham saw my day he rejoiced saw my day when he rejoiced. So when Abraham got out the ground and saw the day of Jesus, saw the day which he gave his life and was resurrected, because why? When Jesus went down to preach to them, he was going down to confront the devil and take that which the devil took from Adam and Eve. He took it back. And when he took it, the devil had no more right to hold all the Old Testament saints that were there, that died in faith, that died in righteousness before God. He had no right to hold them. So where were they going? Because Jesus had took the power of death away. And so what? They come out of the grave with him. That's why he says, I took captivity captive. I arrested captivity. And I what in exchange gave gift unto men. And that gift was life and that more abundantly. It's the same life that he give us in John ten ten. So the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, I come to give life and that more abundantly. And the life he came to give them. So where was he taking them from? Paradise. Paradise is in the earth. And that's another lesson to get into. It's in the earth where the Old Testament is saying, we call it the old Abraham's bosom, but he was taking them out of there. And where was he taking them? Into heaven, into new Jerusalem. And so they are the ones that are in new Jerusalem with the general assembly, which are the ones that just make it in. And they are, they are with the firstborn, some of the firstborn that have already uh, died in the faith. Like, you know, if you, if one of your favorite pastors that you knew that was a a soldier for jesus he is one of he's considered one of the firstborn you are considered one of the firstborn the firstborn of them that slept but the but the but here but here's the, the spirit of them the spirit of just men made perfect are the old testament saints that died in faith and got to see jesus stay as they were being as they were being resurrected out of the ground going right into heaven. They are in Mount Zion. And the Bible says, and Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, you know, he's there to the blood sprinkling. So the blood is still sprinkling. The blood of the lamb is still sprinkling. What he did once is being utilized on behalf of who? You and I, all of creation. That speaks a better word than Abel, than the blood of Abel, so we can take the blood of what Jesus did and apply it to anything, and it will speak. It will continue to declare. But we have this—we have this place, this place that we are ascending into. We are ascending into new, into Mount Zion. We're ascending into these different realms to go get these things. We are Jacob's ladder. We have that ability, just like Jesus, to ascend and to pull down and to and to implement. Whether it is implement through Uh, new innovative ways, uh, new, uh, new mechanisms being created, or things in the spirit being pulled down into the natural. So we are here to do things both spiritually and naturally in Christ Jesus. How is this possible to ascend? This form of prayer, praying, fasting, and reading your word are essential. How do we use the word? If I say, for instance, I want to Ascend into the realm of deliverance or let's say the realm of wisdom. What you can do, this is practically, I'm giving you something practically you can do. Before you pray, or I should say it like this, before you pray, the Bible says in Jude, um, Jude 1, it says to pray in your most holy faith. Let's go. Let's go to Jude real quick. I'm going to go to Jude. I want you to read Jude. Jude is the chapter book, the one chapter book just before Revelation. I want you to read it because I want you to see it. In Scripture, I hope this is good. I hope you guys are taking this in, and don't worry. I'm I'm recording, so you'll get a chance to go back to, through this again and hear it again if you need to, or you can definitely ask questions afterwards. And it goes on and says here in Jude, chapter one. It's um, this is the book before Revelation. It talks about this, and it says here in Jude chapter one, verse here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, Jude chapter one. And it says here, and it says we'll start at verse 17. It says, But beloved, remember these words which were spoken before the apostle of our Lord Jesus Jesus, how they told you that you should be mocker that, that should be mockers in the last times, and we should walk after their own that, that they would walk after their own ungodliness. These being the two separate these two, these two. These who separate themselves centrally and have not given to the spirit. I want to get to the part where I want to read. It says here, verse 20. That's where I want to get to. It says, but ye beloved, verse 20, Jude chapter one, verse 20, but ye beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So praying in the Holy Ghost as you pray, and what is the pray in the Holy Ghost? Is to pray in your heavenly language. Is to pray in tongues. Whether you speak a language, an actual language, um, or you speak the language of angels. Uh, as you pray, and as you continue to spend time praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, you are increasing your capacity in the Spirit to host more of Jesus. And as you pray, you are building your most holy faith. Well, faith in the spirit is the vehicle is comparable to the vehicle in the flesh. Our physical body is the vehicle on this plane, but faith is the vehicle in the spirit realm. So as you pray, you are praying the mysteries. You're praying the will of God is what Romans eight says. When you pray in the spirit, you're praying the mysteries, you're praying the will of God and what? Your faith is being built. The vehicle which you are moving in the spirit is being built, is is being enlarged. And when it is enlarged, then you can ascend into the spirit. And, and, and when you ascend into the spirit, you pull down those things. You are being blessed by it, and the world is being blessed by it. And as you build a life of praying, more power more authority there are storehouses in heaven that are waiting to be accessed by you and i to bring these down but we have to know that we can go in and how do you go in and do it to say for instance i wanted i wanted to share say for instance you are praying for provision we'll just say that we'll use that example and we'll pull a scripture that says uh, god will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through christ jesus well, this is how the spirit and the word works together when you read that scripture and then you begin to pray in tongues you have given yourself a focal point to lock into. I'm I'm locking into the, uh, the aspect of God that is provider, that is Jireh. Or you could read the story of Abraham, where Abraham talks about he is, his name is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides because he provided a lamb instead of him taking his son's life. He provided a lamb to offer up. And so you read that scripture. And so now you have a target and now you want to ascend. And as you're praying in tongues, you're praying, you're praying, you're praying, and you are ascending into that realm to engage this aspect of God, who is Jaira. You can engage different aspects of who he is to bring down here what you need and what others need. This is what you do in intercession when you're praying and big mama, you didn't care, big mama, I need some money by tomorrow and I don't know what I'm going to do. And big mama get down on her knees and she's praying. She doesn't know what I'm explaining to you technically. But she's in the She's praying. She's engaging God because why? She's engaging the one who is provisioned. And she's engaging him. And guess what? Through her prayers, big mama moves. And guess what? Um, a check comes in the mail. Somebody comes and visits you and give you some money. And you're like, Lord, you provided." Yes, because when you told her, she got on her knees and she went, engaged the one who is provider, who is Jireh, And she engaged that realm, that access, that dwelling place. And she pulled down what you needed here on earth as it is in heaven. Are you getting what I'm saying? We have that Accept that is available. Like if you're praying into deliverance and you want to really engage deliverance, engage the one who is the deliverer, who is the deliverer, Jesus, Yahweh, the father, He he delivered the people out of Egypt, but Jesus delivered people from demonic possession throughout his three, three, three and a half years of ministry. As you engage the one who is that you're pulling down power, you're pulling down what you need to declare, to proclaim. So what I'm saying is that we are meant to ascend into Christ Jesus, the different realms, and get to know him. That's why he says, "If he said, those that are heavy laden, he said, come unto me. He says, I will give you rest in exchange. He says, learn about me. Learn about who I am. Learn about what's accessible to you. Learn about what's in me that you have yet to tap into we can ascend into the different realms and you use the word how does fasting help you fasting helps you sometimes when we have luggage i like if you think of the junk that need to be purged or or you need to die to like luggage that is on you and sometimes as you try to ascend it, you can't go you can't go where you need to go cuz you need to give up some of these things you need to give more of your heart to the lord and as you Fast. Your flesh is dying and more of your spirit is coming alive. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Turn with uh, turn with me to Isaiah 58. We're going to line this plane here in a minute. Um, Isaiah 58. And it talks about God's way of fasting. Um, In verse Isaiah 58, verse five, you can read the whole chapter, but we're going to begin in verse five. And it says it is such is this such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul that's who's benefiting when you fast you are afflicting your soul your soul is where the areas in the soul is the area of you that is being redeemed your spirit is good but your spirit the spirit of god comes through your spirit right into the soul to redeem that area because those that's where all the hurt the pain the disappointment the brokenness all that stuff is there and then even even as those things have been there they are affecting your physical body and so he brings healing in the soul so fasting is also something, a tool that breaks, that deals with the affliction of the soul. You are afflicting yourself. You're dying to the things that you used to like, that what? That healthiness, that God's wholeness and goodness and healing and oneness with him would manifest and happen in your life. Let's keep going and read. It says here, when a man afflicts his soul, it is bow, bow down his head as a bull rush and spread staff cloth and ashes under, under, under him. Will thou call this a fast, an acceptable day of the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen?" to loose the bands of wickedness. When you fast, you break the bands of wickedness. What is the bands of wickedness? Those are the things that have enslaved your soul. Those are like chains, like the song that you sing, break every chain, break every chain. Those are the things that are broken that would have that has held you bound. That's why the Bible says what Jesus did, he took captivity captive. He arrested the thing that was stopping your development so that you can now grow. And when you align yourself and you die to the this world. You died to the conformity of this world and you are willing to be transformed by the renewing of your mind as you fellowship in the word because faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you are doing that, this is what's going to happen. The bands of wickedness are broken and to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free that you would break Every yoke. So fasting is there to break the yoke. Can can you get a picture? I want to give you a picture, a picture of a rocket of the space shuttle. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the space shuttle take off. The space shuttle is connected to a big giant rocket, and then two little small rockets and when it takes off all the rockets the the the, the rockets that are on the uh, space shuttle and the rockets that are the big rocket and the big small ones are all blowing the fire and w- the purpose of it is is to give it enough m- enough momentum to get to a certain um realm a certain space in the atmosphere where um where uh where there's no oxygen and this in its space but it needs the power from the rockets to get them there. And the moment that it gets close enough, if you've seen the space shuttle take off, uh, you'll see the two rockets on the side begin to fall off because it served its purpose and the thing is still moving up. And all of a sudden the big giant rocket falls off. And now this, this, this space shuttle has been propelled, catapulted into space. And now on its own, it's able to propel into the destination where it's headed. That's what fasting does. Fasting breaks off the things that would keep you from ascending, keep you from going into the deeper depths and the higher heights in Christ Jesus. The fasting breaks off those things that would keep you from uh, developing and becoming the person you're supposed to be that he had in mind when he made you. That's what fasting does. It breaks those things. So you need the word. You need prayer praying in your holy spirit not just in your language of english but praying in the holy spirit because why when you pray in the spirit you pray the mysteries you pray the will of god but you need fasting the right type of fasting that breaks the bands of wickedness. and it goes on and says this here is it not for you to deal your bread to the hungry to those that are poor so even when you're fasting whether you i remember my pastor said this years ago he said when i would fast he said when i fast i take what i would eat and go give it to somebody else i would let them eat because um, because that was what, it, that's what it was. It was an honorable thing, uh, to do that when you're fast. This is what the 58 is talking about. And you can read more of this, but let's go to verse eight. Verse eight says this, and then shall the light break forth. What light? The light of Christ in you shall break forth like the morning and thy health shall spring forth speedily." Do you know fasting clinically is good for your body? Fasting is a way that your body detoxes it cleanses itself from all the, the nasty stuff. When you do like a Daniel fast, or you do like a, a water fast or a juice fast, and you do healthy juices, not that not, not that bad stuff. You your body detoxes, it flushes all the toxins out of your body. So there is a physical, natural uh benefit, but there's also a spiritual benefit to fasting as well. And it says this here, and it says, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. Thy righteousness, who is the righteous one, God shall go before ye, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy rear guard. So fasting, reading the word, praying, those three together causes us to be able to ascend into the heavens because the heavens are open. They've been open since Jesus was baptized and came out of the water. So the heavens are open over your life. And you got angels that are assigned to you that that can go in. You yourself can go in and how you go in, you go in speaking in your heavenly language. That's how you ascend. There are times that I've prayed and I felt like I've been in places and other places and other realms there. I had this encounter today as I was praying, I was praying and I was ascending into uh, different places. But as I was praying in tongues, I could hear myself praying in tongues, praying the mysteries, praying the will of God. But I could hear my inner person. Talk to God about the places I want to go. I've never done that. That has been that was something brand new that was fresh to hear not only myself in tongues, but to hear my inner person praying saying i i want to see the story or or i could hear the 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 spirit telling me you're going into this place or that place but it was beautiful to hear myself in my inner self praying into that and going into those spaces and just being in that anointing being in that space oh man i'm so sorry i I know i am taking a long time it's it's such a good teaching blessings but um but that's what is accessible to us. We have that accessible to us today. We can ascend. We can ascend into the realms. We can ascend. We are meant, We are Jacob's ladder, just like Jesus. Jesus was here on earth, and we can ascend and descend. So it wasn't just the angels. It was us being able to ascend, but we are ascending from our seated place in heaven so that we can take what, use our vehicle in the spirit, faith, and bring down what we need to do and bring it here in our vehicle in the flesh and utilize it here. Um, I'm going to stop there because I believe I've given you enough. And um, and uh, we're going to close this here. So I just, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. We're not closing this. We're clo- Father, I pray that what was said tonight, what was taught, what was um, given, Lord, I pray that you would allow them to, to receive it to hear it as they hear the um, the recording again you would allow it to settle in you would allow it to awaken you would allow them to uh, dream bigger to think bigger that we are more than just believers walking here on earth but that we have this duplicity that we are that we are to show the manifest wisdom the manifold wisdom of God. To the, to the second heaven, to the principalities and powers. We are to show them, as Paul said in Ephesians, what it is to be a, a true believer, a true servant, a true daughter of God. And we're to do it in earth as it is in heaven. And so I just speak, Father, today that you would allow what has been said to resonate, to take shape and form and and to cause them to just be stirred, to dig in, to pray in, to lean in and allow The Father of lights, give the narrative. Father, I bless them and we keep them in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And and all I'm doing is I'm just stopping the recording. Recording stopped. And I'm opening it up for questions. I'm sorry. I know I took a long time.